Well, hello there. This is Paul Carruthers, and this is Off Track. And I don't do this alone. I could never do it alone because I don't have the uh, I don't have the stories that uh, Sean Bice somehow comes up with for the starts of these shows. I might be able to do the show after the start without him, but at least in the beginning, I 100% rely on Sean Bice. Sean, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be uh, on with you. And uh, spring has sprung here in the uh, in Ohio or the Midwest or whatever, you want, however you want to put it. I'm sure it's uh, sprung in in the area where our, our guest that we're going to have on uh, Chris Turner is in down in Tennessee. Um, so life is good. Hey, I want to ask you a question, Paul. Um, I know for a fact that you like to swing the sticks, and I've never gone and played on whoa, a golf whoa, whoa. course. What with- are you talking about? <laughs> I only have one stick. Well, okay, yeah. Well, you must have a bag of them. Well, let's not talk about bags either, I guess. But um, I know from playing playing top golf with you that you do enjoy a little bit of golf. So the one thing I don't know about you though is, you, do you play miniature golf? Have you ever played it? I have. Yes. I mean, I, I remember as a kid there was a course sort of close by the house, and I mean, uh, kid like teenager and. You know, it'd be a good place to take take the girls on a Friday night or something and have a bit of a laugh and knock the ball around. But uh, I, I honestly, I haven't done it in a long time. It's funny because I always, I don't know why, but I always notice the courses when I'm when I'm in other places and driving around and stuff. And you don't see many of them back here anymore. I think because the land's so valuable. But actually, when I go oh, back east, it. I they, where where were we last? I don't know if it was Texas or Atlanta. I saw this. There was kind of an odd miniature golf course built onto the side of a hill that I saw every day <laughs> when I was driving from the hotel. So, yeah. Why? What's up with miniature golf? Well, where are we going? Well, well, I have a reason for this. So Chris Turner, who we're going to have on in a moment, is from Chattanooga. And um, when we get him on, we'll find out if he gets back and forth to work on the Chattanooga Choo Choo. But I do know that... Chattanooga is the home of the very first miniature golf course at Tom Thumb Golf, which is apparently on Lookout Mountain, which uh, Chris can tell us about Lookout Mountain. It's supposedly a pretty impressive place in, in Chattanooga. Um, but uh, there's some fascinating things about about Chattanooga. Um, Paul, have you ever had a moon pie? No. Moon pies, oh, they're fantastic. We used to call them where I grew up, we called them scooter pies, but uh, moon pies were actually invented in Chattanooga at the Chattanooga Bakery. They're they're like a, it's like two cookies with marshmallow in between and then covered in chocolate. I'm sure you've had something like that. Yeah, yeah, but I have. I just I hadn't probably, referred to it as <laughs> As a moon pie or a scooter pie? Well, as long yeah. as you don't call it a cow pie, I think you're okay. Yeah, I don't so. know what they would call it out here. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, those are a couple things about, about Chattanooga, Tennessee, which, um, is where, is where Chris is from. Uh, so let, let's bring Chris in. Do you want to do a little intro on him, um, Paul, or do you want to just bring him in and start talking to him? No, I mean, let's give it a little bit of an intro. I mean, Chris, Chris came back and, and he, he's been racing for a while, but it sounds like he took some time off. He came back, um, he raced with us last year in twins cup and actually finished third in the championship. He had a late start to the season, if I recall correctly, um, but he sure finished strong. I mean, he had two seconds and a win in the last three races, including his victory in New Jersey. But, and this is a big but, his season this year, I mean, the Twins is, the twins class has only raced it uh, with the two races at Road Atlanta, but he had two horrible races, all kinds <laughs> of problems, 
and he finds himself 50 points behind as we go to VIR this uh, next weekend. So he's got some work to do, but, um, you know, the beauty of that class is that, uh, you know, like a lot of our other classes, uh, you know, a guy like Chris wins a couple of races and, and some of his competitors can easily finish, you know, on a bad day, fifth, sixth or seventh, because there's enough strong people in the class that he could make up those points. So I'm curious to talk to him about, uh, you know, his season last year and obviously, um, the rough start to this year and what he's got going on going into VIR, but, uh, Let's bring him in and have a chat with him. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing We're great. Hanging. Yeah. Hey, Chris. So you you're you're 50 points behind, but you're actually further ahead than you were last year at this time, weren't aren't you? Technically. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, you know, if if I look at it like like uh, last year, I've done the math, you know, and I I started uh, at Laguna, and at Laguna. And at Utah, the next round, I had a DNF both rounds, but, uh, and then we didn't even go to Sonoma. So, but I've looked at the math. I mean, all winter, you know, the, the off season's so long that you have time to, to think about this kind of thing. But, um, mathematically, if I had one Laguna and one Utah and then went to Sonoma and won, which is, I, I know that's kind of stiff to say at a lot of ifs, I still would have mathematically been in the championship. So, <laughs> To look at it from a, a positive point of view, where I'm at now, yeah, I mean, I'm I still feel good about it. Um, I tell you what, uh, Michael Barnes was, was definitely my biggest friend uh, at Atlanta because as of last time I talked to him, he's not doing the whole series. So everyone keeps saying, "Yeah, you're 50 points down." I'm like, yeah, "I'm like I'm 36 points down off of Parrish and Murray," and that's that's who I'm really worried about right now. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and I was checking on the entry list, and I actually mistakenly had made a comment about Michael being at VIR. He may still be there. You might know better than us, Chris, but we didn't see him on the entry list yet. So do you know what the situation is with him? I really don't know. I mean, last time I talked to him, he was going to go to VIR and didn't know uh, about any of the races after that. But Yeah, that's what I, he honestly, heard. He, he said to us. I didn't even – I mean, I looked at the entry list, and all I did was count how many riders were on there and was, like, blown away. But beyond that, I didn't really look at who was on it. Yeah, 41 riders. Unbelievable, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. That's going to it's going to make qualifying interesting cuz that's kind of a one-line track anyway. So, I mean that's like right. Road Atlanta, Road Atlanta was qualifying got tough towards the end trying to find a clean, you know, a clean lap, but uh VIR is probably going to be a lot worse than that. That's crazy. There's going to be that much. Hey, so before we get too far into this, I want to ask you, have you ever played golf at Tom Thumb Golf on Lookout Mountain? Uh no, I haven't. And it, it's actually <laughs> funny because uh, I got a buddy that that's that's kind of our pastime. We haven't done it in a while, but uh, back in the day, we used to go and play putt-putt or mini golf, whatever. Um, I mean, like every weekend almost. So I, it gets it gets pretty competitive and I've played it a lot. But uh, hey, Sean, you know, I'm actually kind of disappointed in you. You didn't even uh, <laughs> you didn't even mention that the, the tow truck was invented in Chattanooga, oh. too. Oh, believe me, I got that one too. I was going to actually okay. bring it up. I figured, yeah, you're absolutely right. The first tow trucks were created in Chattanooga. Yeah. There's actually a International Towing and Recovery Hall of Fame there. Have you ever been to that? No, I've been oh, saying for years I want to go to it, but for some reason nobody is real interested in looking at the history of the tow truck. Hey, if the, if, if the tow truck was invented there, doesn't that just mean they had a bunch of shitty cars? <laughs> That's a possibility, actually. If you look around, yeah, it's a possibility. For sure. That's right. You know what? That's I, I pretty was gonna, good. I was gonna say, like, if you you take uh, mini golf and moon pies, and you know, 
compare that to tow trucks, which one had the biggest <laughs> international impact and you come up with moon pies and mini golf. I'm actually, I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a, you've probably had a moon pie, Chris, I'm oh, sure. Have you? Yes. Oh man. Back whenever I was young and my metabolism was good, I would eat a moon pie almost every day. I love them. <laughs> Did I you know that, that they now. were invented? Did you know that they were invented in Chattanooga? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, uh, the whole time we were in Europe doing the Rookies Cup, yeah, everybody knew Chattanooga because of the, Chatt- the Chattanooga Choo Choo song. Right. Nobody right. knew what Chattanooga was. Everybody <laughs> knew the song. And like I'd tell them where I was from, and they'd be like, and they would start singing the song. So God. nobody knows, I mean, like about the moon pie and the tow truck and all that. There's a, there's a lot of history here. Um, <laughs> I always, I always used to sing the song. I'd, I'd sing the song. I'd go, pardon me, boys. Is that the cat that chewed your new shoes? Where am I? What were you going to say? You know, I uh, you. you know, uh, crystal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The burger it's place. From, uh, it's from Chattanooga. Uh, wow, I didn't know that. It's, it depends on who you ask. It, it's kind of a touchy subject for people, but Coca-Cola was first bottled in Chattanooga. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's that's true. It was a private uh private bottler that was their first first bottler. It was the world's first yep. franchise Coca-Cola bottling plant. Yeah. So so Chris, let's ask Paul this question and I don't know if you you probably know this one, but um Paul, so Chattanooga is called Gig City. Do you know why? Gig City? G- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't I don't know is it something to do with music or what? Yeah, you would think so. Do you know that, Chris? Why that? Why it's called yeah. Gig City? Yeah, okay, tell can, us the can, story on you that. You can uh, you can thank EPB for that. They were uh, they were the first, I think, worldwide, the first, uh, I guess, provider to offer a full gig of internet. That's right, oh, and that yeah, actually that brought in a lot of businesses too. Yeah, it's supposedly huh. the most connected city in, in the country. And, and they, it was such a big deal that they actually provided it. And sure enough, sure enough, Chris is sitting in a Walmart parking lot <laughs> getting, getting, getting Wi-Fi in it, or whatever you're using, your, uh, audio, your phone signal anyway. So that's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, hey, you talked about something. Yeah. <laughs> eating a moon pie. You, I'm sure you can buy them at Walmart. So there's no problem there. Just oh, at least you haven't got... At least at Walmart, like you won't have to worry about getting towed. <laughs> yeah, that's all you have to do after you get done with this. Go into Walmart, grab some moon pies, and call a tow truck and have them tow your car home. So, yeah. So, you, you mentioned one thing, Chris, uh, when you were saying about the people in Rookies' Cups. So, that that's one of those – talk about fun facts about Chattanooga. That's a fun fact for, for me about Chris Turner is the fact that – and we did a story on this a while ago when we talked to you. The fact that you were you were part of that Red Bull Rookies Cup and, you know, talk about that experience and who who else from the U.S. was in that when you were there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was it was definitely, uh, you know, I mean, I was only like, I think, 14 at the time. So I didn't really take in the experience as much as I would now. But just traveling around in Europe and seeing all uh, the different stuff and like the culture there, it was really eye opening. And uh Definitely. I, I got, there's actually a funny story about my dad. I'm obviously being from Tennessee. He's got to wear overalls everywhere we go. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were, I think we were in uh, Hareth and he was standing there and uh, in his overalls watching at the track. And this Spanish guy came up to him and uh, just yelled howdy real loud at him. And my dad looked at him like, what are you talking about? So 
I don't know. It was definitely a culture shock for him more than me. But everyone, I, you know, I'm blonde hair and blue eyed. Everyone thought that I was either from England or northern Spain. They talked to me. But if he tried to ask for directions or anything, they didn't want to talk to him. But uh, uh, yeah, for, it was um, it was it was a stack field. It really was. You know, it was me and uh, Cameron Bobier and JD Beach were the Americans over there. And uh, you know, we were racing with uh, Louis Salam and Johan Zarco and uh, who else? Leandro Mercado. No, not no. That's so cool. Not Leandro Mercado. I raced him in AMA. Um, man, I can't remember his name. Lorenzo Savadori. Raced, oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if yeah. he's still doing it, but he raced World Superbike last year. And uh, right. uh, Reitenberger is racing World Superbike now. Oh, the German guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, it you was know, definitely I, a stacked field. I didn't realize that because a couple of years ago when Cameron went over and raced that IDM class or series, the German superbike, Marcus Reiterberger was in that raced against him. I'm, I'm sure they must have talked about when they were t- together in Red Bull rookies at that time, too. But but the, the distinction here is there was our U.S. rookies cup, but there was MotoGP rookies, which is what you did. You were over in Europe right. and against everybody in the world. Yeah, right. That's, that's was, pretty uh, awesome. It, it's pretty cool to look back now because it was the very first year that they did that, too. It's awesome. So hmm. it, it, I don't know. It's it's it was kind of a a bad season for me there, but what came of it? You know, I, I can look back on it and see what I did there myself, and and not just that, but all the riders over the years that have come through that program to go on to have really successful careers. You know, it's it's I don't know. I look at it as you know, it's one of those really cool things that not many people can say that they did. I mean, it's amazing. One of three Americans, and then you were in that group of guys like you're saying, Zarco and everybody else. That's that's pretty incredible. When we when we went to Laguna Seca last year, um, were you were you? I can't remember. Were you at Laguna Seca? Yeah, yeah, last year? yeah. I did. Laguna. Okay, that's right. So did you? Did, that's right. That's where you started, right? That's where the season started for you, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That okay. was uh, yeah. That's a story. so when you were there did you have a chance to was there anybody in the world superbike paddock that you might have remembered or worked with Uh, when you were at red bull rookies did you see any of the guys at all um yeah i mean uh salvadori was there right uh, right which i mean i knew uh chaz davies from back uh, when i was racing 600 i used to race with him a lot um i mean there's there's a few guys there but honestly like I didn't really take the time to go because we were kind of separated from them where we were parked. I never really took the time to go over there and, and right. uh, to talk to anybody. It's actually funny though. Whenever I was walking the track, I've never been there before. So I walked the track and uh, was walking around and I was talking to this random guy, you know, and he kept asking me, you know, about the track and all this. And I was like, man, I've never been here before. And I had no idea who it was. And then uh, after we went home, I was watching the races on TV and it was Eugene Laverty. I was walked the whole track <laughs> with Eugene Laverty and had no idea that I was walking with him. <laughs> You you thought he was you thought he was one of the Mario brothers, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, it was the mustache and everything. I ne- it never crossed my mind that this dude races motorcycles. You know, he looks like the guy that uh, he looks like the guy that washes all this stuff in that little sink behind the garages. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> so, what wasn't so funny was Road Atlanta. Do, do, should we revisit that? You got to tell us about that, Chris. That was to, nuts. we want to hear the whole story that was insane oh man so let's just break down the whole weekend because the whole weekend was horrible (laughs) the i went out for for first practice and which it was i'm pretty sure it was wet in first practice i can't even remember now but um yeah first practice friday morning i went out and dropped a vowel and uh so (laughs) 
there was a big miscommunication after that on the the front brake master cylinder and uh you know i'm not going to get into that but pretty much the whole grid went around and was bumming uh, oem master cylinders off other teams and stuff so we spent the whole time from practice to qualifying trying to fix the motor so we didn't have time to do that so i went out and qualifying which it was wet for for first qualifying so i told my dad i was like you know it's going to be dry in the morning so these laps don't really matter anyway so i got a a whole session in and felt pretty good put it third and then they took my qualifying times away with me like me and like six other people i think uh Mm -hmm. because we we still had the aftermarket master cylinder so i was like you know what no big deal just let it ride go in tomorrow morning and uh you know try to make a better weekend out of this so final qualifying uh got out there like first thing started putting some good laps in and i I haven't been to atlanta in like seven years but i've rode there so much it all just came back to me so uh i put it on uh i had it on pole the whole session and i didn't know this we don't have a pit board or anything i'm trying to like look at my dad's fingers so he's hanging over the pit wall giving me different (laughs) finger signs what place i'm in and all this (laughs) i thought i was in pole. i came in like halfway through the session and knew i was in on pole and uh i didn't know you know the end of the session if somebody was putting in a faster lap or, you know, something like that. So I came over and I was trying really hard to get a clean lap there at the end. And I knew I had one, I had enough time for one lap left. And uh, I come by and my dad's holding up like his fingers are really close together. Like, you know, like a little gap, you know, so I didn't know if somebody was in front of me and I was like barely off pole or whatever. So I was like, crap, I need to really put in a good lap here and try to put it back in, uh, in first and uh, went off into the first turn. Uh, the bike, I had, the the shift on these things like the you have to push the lever really far to get it to go into gear and like downshift and all that so i think i just didn't get it all the way into gear and went into turn one and rolled in and it popped back out of gear like in between Mm -hmm. gears so i got offline uh tried to grab the front brake offline and just tuck the front end and it it was uh Mm -hmm. it was a rough crash but you know uh jonathan farmer at vo2 leathers uh, hooked me up this year and um i've got to say that i was really impressed with how the leathers hold up i mean i, I know it's kind of a shameless plug right now but i really <laughs> was impressed at how good the leathers held up you know and the awry helmets obviously so i actually just i got up and it took me a second to get up i'm not i'm not 18 anymore so it did take me a second to get up but uh you know i got up and walked off perfectly fine mm. so that kind of started the rest of the weekend for us we uh the bodywork was pretty much destroyed. The lower was actually broke completely in half. The upper was all, I mean, y'all saw it on the TV. It was, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, we have, uh, uh, like a handmade ram air system that my dad made and it works really good, but it doubles as a fairing stay. And we tried to, at first we ran out of fiberglass repair kit, you know, we ran out of fiberglass to to fix everything. So we think we just didn't have enough fiberglass where the upper goes into the ram air to hold it. And that's why it was falling down in the first race. So I got meatballed, DNF that one. And we actually took the time to try to fix it correctly after that. Went out and practiced Sunday morning. Everything was perfectly fine. Didn't do anything wrong the whole practice, uh, which I only did, you know, like maybe half the session because it was wet again Sunday morning. But, uh, Everything was good, you know, and then we go out to the race, do the warm up lap. Everything's good. Do the site lap. Everything's good. And as soon as I took off, you know, I got a really good start in uh, in race two and led 
went through turn five, went over the curbing. And when I dropped off the curbing, I saw the upper fall down and I was like, oh no. And, uh, as soon as I got on the back straightaway, it just like about halfway down the back straightaway, it just like a parachute went out and people just started blowing by me. So wow. it actually got worse in the second race than it was the first race. But, um, it, you know, it, like I said, it, it's, it's just the first round, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I've been kind of joking about it because, you know, like super sport and super bike, they, uh, they do two races every weekend. And, uh, I picked a hell of a weekend to have a bad weekend because, you know, I've got half the amount of races to make up the points as I would if I was in super sport. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's right. doubly bad. Yeah. Okay. I've, so. got, I've got a question for you and I don't know okay. if it's true or not, but Uh-oh. someone told me a reliable source that what a brake caliper was actually handed over the fence to you from a spectator after you crashed at road Atlanta. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it would, no. It would have been a pretty but, cool story though. That would be, <laughs> yeah. that would be, that, yeah, that, well, I don't, it'd be cool for y'all. It sucked for me, but uh, <laughs> that bike was in bad enough shape. <laughs> Well, uh, well, what are you, Paul? Are you saying that? Are you saying that the master cylinder came off the bike and somebody handed it back to him? Or no, he made is it, that, whoever told me made it sound like the spectator was kind of helping him out with parts and just gave him. A yeah, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah, off of yeah. his bike. So no, not true, Chris. No, I did. Okay. Uh, no, I, I was going through the gravel trap whenever they were loading the bike up and was trying to find parts that were missing. But uh, mm-hmm. no, the 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 calipers were they were in good shape. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. That first race you were holding, you were holding on to the fairing and then we saw you in the second race and we thought you crashed because it was all out of kilter. And like you said, worse than the first one. So yeah, that's obviously why they meatballed you. In the first race, I was actually mad when they meatballed me because I was, I mean, I was holding the fairing up and it was, I thought I was like, nah, it's fine. I'll just hold it up on the straightaway. No big deal. (laughs) But, uh, it was actually when I came in, uh, I'm glad that they did it because the way that the, the, the upper was falling down. It was blocking all the air going to the motor. So the bike was overheating bad. So, wow. which I, I couldn't see the, the, you know, the, the cluster anymore because it was so far down. So I had no idea it was overheating, but yeah, it was, it got up to like 250 degrees. So yeah, I guess yeah. Uh, hindsight is probably a good thing that they meatballed me. <laughs> well, you also, I mean, I came over and looked at the bike and you also kind of caved in the, the fuel tank a little bit too, right? Yeah, that, I think that actually helped me a little bit because, uh, you know, trying to tuck in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so what's the prognosis for VIR? What's the situation with the, the custom-made fairing uh, uh, mount? You know, have you got that troubleshooted at the shot at this point or how you say Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. We, we've got uh, – we're basically going to do the same design but a better way to secure it. Uh, you know, we went – uh, we started using it at uh, Pittsburgh last year and did the, uh, I did five races with it last year and had no problems with it at all. I mean, it's re- you can grab mm-hmm. the upper and it doesn't move. It's super sturdy. Uh, it was mm-hmm. just, uh, whenever we tried to fix it the second time, I think the, the fiberglass just didn't really have enough time to set all the way. And when I came off that curb at Atlanta, I guess it was just, it jarred it enough that it just kind of fell out. So it's not a and big deal, with- but, uh. For VIR though, you know, like I got home from Atlanta and was sitting there just staring at my bike, like going like, there's, I have no idea how we're going to have one, the money and two, the time to get everything fixed. You know, uh, I mean, body work, you can't just call up and get body work shipped to you right then. You know, they have to have it made and everything. So, um, so I kind of, I put a post on Facebook and just kind of explained what 
happened in Atlanta and, you know, what was really going on. And, um, writer's law hit me up. I mean, like an hour later and was like, what all do you need? And, uh, so they've jumped on board and because of them, I'm going to make VIR. That's awesome. That's great. Super, super appreciative for them. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing because Riders Law is more of a West Coast group of uh, lawyers for motorcycling, right? I mean, you're, and you're yeah. obviously more East Coast. So that's that's cool that, that you, you know, you were able to make that connection. It's kind of obviously the the silver lining to that weekend is if that hadn't happened, you wouldn't obviously gotten the support. Maybe I'm sure you would have needed it one way or the other. So it's it's good that you have it. Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, it, it helps out a lot. Um, you know, I actually met them uh, last year when we went to Vegas for the award ceremony. Um, they invited me to like a little pre-party they had before the award ceremony and put us in a limo and took us and everything. And it was like, it was wow. me, it was me and, uh, Jason Madama and Aussie Dave. Uh, we're the only three racers there, you know? So it was pretty cool. I got to actually meet Cy and, uh, and talk to him and Fabian and, you know, it, it, there, there's, uh, there's some really good people there. They really are, you know, from, from the look of that- our banquet, it looks like Madama must have had the most drinks in the limo. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah. <laughs> oh, we've, we've busted on Jason a few times about that. He, he uh, he's not going to be able to live that down. The, the cool thing is, you guys, as I recall, it was uh, it was Chris Parrish, you and Jason. You guys were all sitting at a table together. It's kind of like the Twins Cup dudes all in a group, right? Oh man. Oh well, Parrish sat at the table next to us. And oh, okay. It's it's actually a funny story because Cy, there, you know, he's. I guess he knows a lot of people there, obviously. And mm-hmm. uh, he went and stood in the beer line and bought like 16 beers for a bunch of different people and put them in a table. And then everybody ended up sitting at a different table. So <laughs> I'm like sitting there and there's 16 beer bottles on the table in front of me. And I'm not, you know, I don't think nothing about it. I'm sitting there with one other guy and I'm sitting there. And, uh, and then like I saw the camera pan and I saw me just sitting there by myself with 16 <laughs> beer bottles on the table. And I was like, I should probably move tables. This, this doesn't look real good. <laughs> And there goes the, the factory the ride. Right. <laughs> right. Or it helped him, I guess, by the by the looks of things. So, so yeah. you're saying VIR? Do you know is it is it kind of a one race type thing, or are they gonna? Do you know if it'll go beyond no, that with uh, riders? Love? No, they're we're uh, they kind of came on board as like a as a title sponsor for the rest of the year. So nice. Um, yeah, they're definitely gonna be a big help. You know, I, granted that I actually have a, a good year and put out some uh, results. Uh, they're definitely gonna be a big help for me for sure. What about VIR? Have you have you been to that track before? Race oh, there? Oh man. You know what's funny? Before the season started, I told uh my dad and I told my wife both that uh I was really confident going into Atlanta. I've always loved that track. I've always done really good there. And I told him I was like, if I can just put it on the podium at VIR, I'll be happy. I I hate that track. <laughs> I've <laughs> never been good there. I've never been that great there. And I just I don't know. I just it just doesn't flow right to me i just i don't know i, I don't know if it's my riding style or i've only been there a couple of times maybe i'll figure something out this time but now i'm sitting there going like i've got to win this time mm-hmm. wow. so what about vir you like that track not really okay oh well you're talking you were talking about road atlanta though weren't you well, no, I, talking well about VIR. I like it oh yeah, i missed I like it. atlanta but i hate vir okay 
Oh, sorry. I always get. To, I don't know why I get those mixed up in my head you, all the time. Are you eating a moon VAR, pie, so. Sean, or what? Yeah. yeah I think, oh wait, you you just reminded me of something. So, Chris, you said that you don't have a pit board. So you were saying your your dad puts two fingers up or one finger. Do, could you also pick him out of the group by the fact that he's wearing bib overalls on the pit wall, or does he not wear those? <laughs> no, I, I told him uh, no overalls at the track unless it was going to be team uniform. <laughs> Okay. Um, so what's the deal with the pit board? You sounds like that's something you ought to get. Maybe riders luck can hook you up, huh? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if, uh, if them or if I got like a pit board sponsorship, that would be, be pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. We just, we've never had one. I don't really, I've always wow, thought it'd that's be crazy, nice, you know, but just, I usually just kind of go out there, turn some laps and I come in. I'm like, Oh, I was, I was only tense. That sucks. You know, but it's kind of, it's yeah, kind of interesting. Point, You're jet. You're judging your entire qualifying on how far apart your dad's fingers are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there might be a better way. Yeah. Well, I always know when I, when I suck because uh, when I'm going real slow, because he puts up one finger, but it's not the, it's not the index huh. finger. Yeah. <laughs> that's, good. That's, that's good. Um, so, you know, tell us, Chris, about you, what you do, your day job, what you do other than than racing. You know, you obviously don't have the big factory contract and train all the time. You have to do other things and you have to make a living. You got a family, you got kids and a kid and stuff like that. So tell yeah, us about it's, that. It's rough, man. I have, uh, you know, I've actually. Right now I'm working as a mechanic at my dad's shop. He He opened up a shop when I was 12. So that's like he put me to work when I was 12. So that's uh, that's pretty much all I've ever done away from racing for any longevity. Um, and really, I mean, yeah, it, it is hard for sure. Cause I lost a lot of weight over the winter, but it wasn't really from training. It was more from a diet, you know, because mm. you know, you, you eat three times a day. So anyway, so that's, that's something that really doesn't take a whole lot of time out of your day to go do, but that's just a mental choice to go and change what you're eating every time. But mm -hmm. I don't really have a lot of time to train right now. Um, and some of it is like, some of it is a little bit of laziness. I could probably get up a little earlier and go run or, or do something, but you know, working all day and coming home and, and playing, uh, I've got a four year old that I, I have to play with every day. You know, he's my best friend. So, right. um, and then I've got a, a I've got a, well, I've got a little girl that'll be three months next week, I think, or this week, mm -hmm. no, next week. Yeah. Next week will be three months. So, wow. I try to spend some time with her and obviously I got to spend some time with my wife or she'll, you know, I guess spending time with the kids kind of takes them off of her. So I guess she's, she's good with that, but you know, I want to spend time with her too. So, um, it's hard to do it in the, to be a family man and still get in the evening what I need to be getting in. So, mm -hmm. um, I try to do as much as I can, but I, I mean, next year I want to move up to a 600 again next year. So I really need to start training now if I want to be <laughs> in the shape I need to be in for that. But, yeah, is your sure. dad's shop is it is your dad's shop a motorcycle shop a car shop what what is uh, automotive shop what is it that's a good question i'm still trying to figure that out um <laughs> <laughs> mostly we work on cars that's it started out as a motorcycle shop but um there's more money in cars so we mostly do mm -hmm. cars but i mean we've had everything from race cars motorcycles four-wheelers go-karts uh we had a rhino like a with a yamaha i think rhino mm -hmm. side by side right yeah. we've worked on yeah. that this week uh whatever we work on everything but boats i'll put it that way mm. boats and lawn we, we work on lawnmowers sometimes but we try to stay away from them right and you do call sounds like all kinds of mechanical work then it could be anything from 
do you do like front end alignments and engine work and all that um, kind of stuff or you know what we we've done alignments a couple of times but we don't have an alignment machine we do it like the old-fashioned way with like a couple t-bars and a measuring tape yeah so, <laughs> that's, i've seen I'm that not a, i'm not a big fan of of doing that we don't that's like rare like if we're changing a tie rod end or something like that and we have to make sure everything's still straight but uh mm-hmm. yeah i mean we do uh we do some a little bit of everything really mm. And and what's the situation with you? So before you did the Red Bull Rookies, uh, did you were you did you ride motorcycles? What was your tell us about your background leading up to that? Did your dad dad get you into bikes in, when you were young? Oh oh yeah, I was. Um, let's see, I had a little fifty four wheeler when I was three, and started riding on that, and it got stolen, and. We got a JR50. My, my dad tells people I started riding when I was four, but it was a week before I was four. So I tell people <laughs> I started riding when I was three. It sounds better. Wow. But, That's uh, good. Yeah. Now I've been on a motorcycle since, the, you know, since I was three. And, um, that's, man, it's been, uh, basically the basis of my entire life. I, um, I grew up racing motocross, um, got hurt. I mean, I wouldn't say I got hurt a lot, but I got tired of getting hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a couple concussions when I was a kid, and that's not when you're that young. That's not really good. So I was actually going to get into uh, go kart racing. That's what we were going to do. Uh, the end of '04, uh, we started looking at we're going to race uh, like dirt tracks on go karts, and uh, we were actually at a go kart track. I remember we were at one watching and uh, looking at a go kart that was there, and we're walking around, and my dad was like, "Hey, I found this thing. Uh, it's called Simra." which it's not around anymore, which really sucks. That was a great organization. And uh, he's like, basically, we just put some supermoto wheels and tires on your YZ85 and you go racing on like asphalt go-kart tracks. And I was hmm. like, yeah, I guess we'll give that a try. And if that don't work out, we'll just go race go-karts. And then uh, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> yeah. So, that's... I mean, that was, uh, that was in 05. And my first race, I got lapped. Um, hmm. I never rode it or anything. I think we may have rode it in a parking lot or something, but I went to the first race in uh, South Carolina and got lapped. And uh, by the end of the year, I'd picked it up enough that I actually ended up winning that championship, the, the GP 85 class. So the year at the next year, I got a 125 and started doing weird stuff. And that was in 06. So, I mean, we did the, the tryout for the rookies cup at the end of 06. So I really only had one year of like actual road racing under my belt. Uh, whenever I went, hmm. you know, Chris, I, so we got a little bit of a scoop for you. I think what you're talking about, Seymour, is the thing that we posted a story about today. Um, and uh, I think it's the same organization. Paul, talk, can you talk about that a little bit? What's going to be at VIR? Um, I think it's the same organization that maybe maybe Chris is referring to with Supermoto. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the same organization or not, but okay. I, we, we, are, sure? no, it's not. we are having a we oh. are having a little uh, that, you know, we've kind of. The supermoto pr- promoter in the area, you know, wanted to uh, to hook in with us and, and and run an event, which they can do because it's obviously a little bit off site. I mean, it's on site, but it's not; it doesn't utilize anything that we're utilizing. So, it's the supermoto East Coast Championship, and they're gonna they are gonna join us for uh, for weekend racing while we're at, while we're at VIR, which is kind of cool. I went over there last year, and uh, and there was a guy over there burning some laps when the go karts weren't being used, and it looked like. It, they could make a pretty decent little track out of it. The go-kart track was kind of fun. We drove carts, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to have, you know, it's one more thing for, for people to go check out when, when there's a break in the action from what we're doing. And, 
it gives them it gives them some more entertainment. So yeah, it'll be kind of cool to go over there and, and see what's up with those guys. But yeah, I know Supermoto is uh, you know it's where a lot of those a lot of our guys started. You know, I know Cameron used to do Supermoto and and yeah. JD and and stuff like that. So it's obviously uh, it's pretty good training because you know, like Chris said, you can you you know you can throw some some street tires and and different wheels on a motocross bike and and go ride it. So popular. But that was your inroad into road racing, though, Chris. I mean, you kind of yeah, like the- yeah. I mean, it was there wasn't any dirt. It was it was just the asphalt part. Um, I okay. remember we, we went to one track down in Florida, and they had a dirt section. Like we weren't racing on it, but they let us go out there and kind of mess around on it. But it was all sandy, and we were on slicks, and it was super yeah. sketchy. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I've never actually rode a, a full blown supermoto bike with a uh, with a dirt section. Um. I've always thought it'd be fun though. I mean, I, like I said, I grew up on motocross, so, you know, I, I'm not afraid of jumping and stuff like that. So I always thought that'd be pretty fun. What made you decide to get involved in twins cup on, and, and where did you get the SV six fifty that you race and all that? <laughs> oh man. Um, you know, I was actually, uh, I was, whenever I decided I want to get back into it, I was going to get a 600. Cause that's, I mean, that's what I quit right. racing. Whenever I quit racing, that's what I was on. And that's, you know, I'd spent the last four or five years on it. So, um, I don't know. It never really, I wouldn't say it, it wouldn't, it never crossed my mind because my dad actually mentioned to me, uh, in the off season before last year, he's like, Hey, you know, they're doing a twins class this year. If you want to get back into racing, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I rode an SV a couple of times. I, I didn't really enjoy it that much. It was a little too slow for me. And then, uh, so we found the 600, we were going to buy and everything. And then, uh, my dad, uh, called John Orridge. And uh, kind of talked to him for a minute about it. And he was, it, John was the one that said, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity in the twins class. And I think that'd probably be a better starting point, you know, because I, like I said, I ain't been on a bike in years. So um, I actually found a bike, uh, I think it was on Craigslist. It's either Craigslist or Facebook. I can't remember. And uh, found this SV for, it was 1800 bucks. So I, I think he had it for like 25 or something. And I talked him down to 18. And, uh, I thought it looked pretty good, you know, in the pictures and everything, it looked good. And then I went all the way up to Indianapolis to to meet this guy and pick it up. And the tank was like caved in on the right side. And he <laughs> took, he took pool noodles and cut them up and put in there where the dent was and then covered it with blue duct tape and then put a Suzuki <laughs> sticker over the duct tape. So like in the pictures, it <laughs> looked fine. Crap. In the pictures, it looked fine. And I got on it and I'm like, what is this? You know? <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, it was like an all stock bike. It, and the guy was talking about, uh, I mean, the guy was super cool. He was super nice about everything, you know, but he was talking about how many races they won on it and all this. And I'm like, what are you rate? Like, what series are you racing? Cause this is stock. <laughs> but, uh, no, me, between me and my dad, we've put a lot of money and time into that thing and built a really, really good bike out of it. And, um, it was funny because I told him whenever I bought the bike, I was like, Hey, you know, Road America's in a, in a couple of weeks. He's like, there's no way, no possible way we can make it to Road America. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't want to push you that much, you know? And then, uh, I called him, uh, I don't know, maybe a few weeks after that and was like, how far is that bike, uh, coming along? And he was like, well, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to buy this, this, and this. And I was like, you think we can make it to Laguna? He was like, no way. No way. He was like, let's just do the last three East Coast rounds and go there. And I was like, oh, well, I just got off the phone with uh, Danelle at Moto America and signed up for Laguna. So we might want to get that thing ready. (laughs) Oh, geez. So 
I went from not being on a bike for years, went to a track that I'd never been to before, and uh, first practice put it third fastest. So that felt really good. That felt really good. And I was I was so rusty. I was like running over the curbs on the inside of the turns. I was turning in early, and I didn't feel that good, but I felt like I still had a decent pace. And uh, I felt like I honestly could have – I mean, I know Madama just like waxed everybody at that race, but I feel like I could have went with them at least. And uh, made a race out of it, but ended up breaking a chain on the warm up lap. So all that time and effort, money and everything, and I didn't even get to race. So that was uh, after Utah. We went to Utah and like had bike problems every time we were on the track and got to the race. I had to start last because uh, I made I made one flying lap in practice, and it just so happened to be like barely fast enough to qualify. So they let me start in the back of the grid, and uh, I got a. Uh, I got in front of Daniel Diaz, which was a pass for third, but Madama crashed, so it would have been second, and then uh, ended up high-siding my brains out. So the bike's trashed again. We got to start all over again, and I called my wife, and I'm like, I don't know that I really want to get back into racing now. This is this sucks, you know? <laughs> I've put all this money and effort into this, and I, I haven't even finished a race yet. And then, uh, you know, obviously, we went to Pittsburgh and had a good weekend, and then Jersey and Barber, and it all kind of flowed back to me. You know, I, I, got, I started getting that positive vibe from it again and really fell in love with it again and, so then, and you, then and of course go ahead Paul. do you do you still have I, are we still racing the same 1800 bike with the, the <laughs> i mean have we, and you haven't yeah, upgraded I mean, have you no it's the it's still the same frame uh-huh that that's about it i mean we put a front end we put a gsxr front end on it um we put a shock on it, which I'm getting. Uh, I'm I'm going to start running KTEC stuff at uh, at VIR. They've kind of jumped up and started helping me out a lot too. So, um, I mean, it's got GSXR wheels. Uh, we've gone through the motor and completely built the motor, and I mean, it's it's the same frame. That's about it. But I mean, it's we're we're still starting with the same basis. What Chris, what's the situation when I talked to you before and I wrote that story about you? You had something going in the off season where you you talked about VO2 leathers, but you uh you were going to kind of have be a source for parts and bike stuff. Is that still going on? I mean, tell us about that if you're doing it or what what's going on where that went. Uh, I'll tell you what where where that's went. It's uh the the online market is uh that's a tough market to get into for sure. Yes, and it is. Sure is. It's, it takes a lot of work and I got, I got set up as a dealer, uh, through Western power sports. So I can offer like it's over 10,000 products and it was taking me 30 minutes to put one product onto the website, you know? So, I mean, it's still, it's still a thing. I'm actually, I use it more at the shop to order parts and gear for customers like that come into the shop. Um, and I've still, I've put a lot of time and effort into the website itself. Um, about, I don't know, a month and a half before the season started, before Atlanta, we started trying to get our stuff together. So I've kind of slacked off that last couple of months. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a thing eventually. It's just kind of on the back burner right now. Gotcha. But you've got the relationship with Western Power Sports still, and you're saying you've kind of incorporated into what you're doing with working in your dad's shop and everything. You've you've sort of yeah. been able to incorporate it that way. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You've got that to look forward to and, and head out there. And to your point, I mean, what you said about VO2, wasn't that Western Power Sports? Didn't that start that relationship with VO2 or was it no, a different thing? I actually, uh, Farmer, 
uh, VL2 is who uh, was hooking up uh, Parrish last year. That's what he was wearing. Oh, okay. He's wearing them again this year. And uh, okay. he, he he actually, Farmer, hit me up on uh, Facebook, and we started talking. And uh, he's kind of, I mean, not to put too many details out there, he's gone, I mean, above and beyond to make sure I get what I need. And uh, I had a couple offers from some other people, and I'm obviously I'm super grateful for that. But just talking to, to Jonathan himself, I felt like that was the right choice to go with him. And mm-hmm. then um, he actually drove like he lives in North Carolina. I want to say it's like five or six hours just to come to the shop one day, just to measure me to make sure that it was everything was perfect. So he's definitely uh, he's a an avid fan of Moto America and of the Twins Cup class, too. I mean, he races in uh, Wira and and stuff like that. So. Man, I, I continue to be amazed with the brotherhood in Twins Cup, though. And I say I say brotherhood, I don't mean it in a gender specific sort of way. But the fact that, you know, you guys are competitors, but you mentioned the fact that, you know, Chris hooked you up with VO2. And I, I know you have a relationship with Badama. I hear I hear a lot of times I get a lot of messages from Curtis Beecham and, um, you know, about his situation with Drake racing in that class. And in 41, 41 entries, as of now, there may be more than that. But um, you guys want to beat each other, but you also seem to all get along pretty well. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Oh, yeah. I mean, on the track, it's like it's like going to war. Everyone out there hates everybody. But everyone that I've seen so far races super clean and, um, you know, but off the track, it's it's a completely different atmosphere. I mean, it's anything that you need help with, anything at all, The just hanging out and just it's not like I, I mean, like, uh, who was it? Uh, I can't remember a few months ago, somebody talking about the difference between the MotoGP paddock and the World Superbike paddock. You know, MotoGP super cutthroat and then World Superbike's like real laid back. Everybody's just kind of hanging out and chilling. And that's kind of like what it is uh, with Moto, Moto America in general. It's really like that. But the Joint Cup's definitely a super, super friendly uh, group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you got a situation here where you have Alex Duma, who is, what is he, 16 or so? And then you have Barney, who Michael Barnes, who's 50 years old. So there's such a disparity in ages. Have you, have you spent any time with Alex Duma at all and gotten any sense of how he likes the class? No, not really. Um, I met him at Atlanta, but I didn't really get to talk to him at all. It's cool because you're you you actually have a pretty good relationship with Team Hammer, and obviously that's what Alex is doing now. When you raced 600 before, didn't you have some support with from Team Hammer and John Ulrich and all that? Yeah, for sure. Um, that was the biggest thing that the Rookies Cup kind of did for me. It, it started my relationship with John Ulrich, and I was writing articles for Road Racing World whenever I was uh, racing in the Rookies Cup. So when I came back here. Uh, he put me on a 600, and I did uh, a year doing Wira races so I could get my points to get my uh, pro license. And then uh, we started 09 with them, uh, doing the AMA stuff. And halfway through the year, we kind of had a falling out and went our own ways. But even after that, you know, he he was he was still there trying to help me out. You know, in uh, 2012, I raced at Triumph, and uh, John was actually the one that that sent me that bike. They got it for a for a magazine deal on they're doing like articles and tests against stuff and uh he said they didn't have anybody to write the articles and they didn't really have the time to mess with it so he just sent me the bike you know so wow. he's always kind of he's always been there kind of helping me out and uh in whatever way he can but i mean like last year 
anything I needed. I mean, like to go to Laguna, we actually threw the bike in the in the M4 uh, Suzuki truck, and they took it out there for me. Um, you know, and anything that I ever needed, I just go uh, go find either uh, Keith Perry or Rob Silva, and uh, they would hook me up with. I mean, anything that I needed. So yeah, they're uh, it's another really good group of people. They've got a really strong program. That's pretty great. Um, hey, I know, I know we're running out of time, but I got to ask you another Chattanooga question. Do you call it, uh, I've heard it's either called, do you call it chat city or Nuga? Which one do you go with? Uh, I'm not much on the slang. I just call it Chattanooga. <laughs> Here I'm trying to be street cool and everything. And <laughs> yeah. look what happens. Yeah. I now you know have what, more though? respect like, for uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I hear a lot of people say like chat town and, uh, stuff chat like town, that. Yeah. But the, Nuga kind of gets on my nerves. It, I don't know. It just sounds stupid to me. <laughs> the, the website for the city, and this is where I got some of the fun facts, is actually Nuga.com. Oh, so. I know. <laughs> They're embracing it. It's bad. Oh, God. It is a little right, goofy. I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think we, hey, we've uh, gone through moon pies. We've gone through tow trucks. <laughs> we've gone through pot pot. We've gone through Chris's career, and I think we'll end it at, what is it? Chat nuga.com. Nuga. 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 We'll plug we'll plug the nuga.com and see if we can get them some more traffic. <laughs> but anyways, guys, um, I do have to cut us off here, but you know, it was a nice conversation. I get to learn a lot a lot about Chris Turner that I didn't know. And uh we're happy that uh that you're in our series and it's good to see you part of uh of such a growing class and the Twins Cup is something that we're kind of proud of around here because obviously going from nine entries to over forty is pretty impressive in the in the span of a year. So congrats on your, uh, your parse, your play in that. And, um, we certainly hope you, uh, you have some better luck at VIR. I think maybe you got all your bad luck over with here in the last, the last year or whatever, and we can get that thing turned around and start seeing at the top of that podium again. So, um, we will see you, uh, it will see you next week in, uh, in Virginia and, uh, I'll see you, uh, well, I'll talk to you again before then, Sean, obviously, but, uh, yep. You guys take you guys take care of yourself and uh, to all our listeners. Thanks for for always tuning in and uh, we'll, this thing will be available for you on Saturday morning on however it is that you uh, you get your podcast. So you guys take care and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Paul. Hey, thank you for having me on.